Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp, Fightful.com, here with a name you know, and you're going to get to know this name a lot more soon. We got Steve Macklin, formerly Steve Cutler in WWE. Steve, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome, and boy, is there plenty to talk to you about. There is a lot. You're, you're undergoing a major career change, life change. There's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, you are an impending free agent very, very soon. Uh how how are you feeling, first off? Uh, honestly, great. Uh, obviously, when I got the news in February that I was let go uh, via via phone call uh, from Mark Carano, I wasn't the happiest person for like the first two weeks. Uh, but once kind of like the anger kind of way, I've now just kind of realized the freedom I do have creatively uh, and to reinvent myself and kind of take ideas that I've pitched for years in NXT and just little inklings of character things I've done a promo class that you'd have in the performance center at that time. Um, and now just get to create and it's, it's fun. And it's really been the fun process of everything of creating and finding who I am out of it and kind of knowing who I was the whole time too. And I mean, this is almost completely new to you because you got signed relatively early in your career. Yeah, so once I started wrestling in 2012, I started at the Monster Factory in Paulsburg, New Jersey with Danny Cage, the famous Larry Sharp Monster Factory. Um, yeah, within about a year and a half, I was picked up. Uh, I was there for about a year. He had Joe Briscoe come in for a talent and tryout seminar to scout. And I love that I can be a Briscoe boy because um, he's the man. Uh, him and his brother, both just legends. But um, yeah, it was just a blessing at that time, but then also a curse because at that time that I did get signed after about a year and a half in 2014, I started the Performance Center uh, was when WWE wasn't signing indie talent at that time. It was not the thing. They wanted to have homegrown talent. And then once Kevin Owens came in later that May after that first takeover, May, June timeframe, Finn Balor, Kenta, everybody started coming in. And wow, that's just when NXT blew up and that was when the influx of everybody came from everywhere and nothing wrong with it. That's it's the business, but it just times change with everything. And that's what was hot. We're, so gonna, we're definitely going to talk a lot more about that. Cause you, you, you saw a lot of change in NXT, like in the beginning, inc- pretty much an incredible amount of change in NXT. Uh, but your release, how did that call go in how did you feel? Was it a surprise to you? Yeah, it was a very big surprise just because, like I said in my tweet, like it was just more shocking than anything just because I did not expect that from what was being said to me uh, and then also not being said to me as well. I could have, part of me is like, oh, okay, now I'm looking back at things. I'm like, all right, it does make sense. But um, so for my side of the story, which everybody plays the game of telephone in the wrestling universe. Uh, so my side of the story is uh, New Year's Eve go to a party with friends um, that I was around with throughout COVID who were constantly tested. We all know, cause we all work together. So it's a small knit group that we have. We had a new year's party and there was multiple new year's party. And that's where the mix up came at somehow, I don't know higher, but 
doesn't really mean anything now. But um, so we had the New Year's party. Next day, go to TV. I test negative. We work TV. Blake and I are there with Corbin. We do our thing. Monday, I find out one of the friends that we had there tested positive. So Deanna and I went out and got tested like we should do, like anybody should have done, like the right-minded. And I came back negative. And that was that Monday. So, okay, cool. No symptoms, nothing happening. Go to TV Friday. And I test positive uh, for the nose swab at WWE TV at uh, Tropicana Field. And I'm like, okay, what do I do? Get on the hotline with the doctors. We talk, we find out what's going on. And they said, yep, just quarantine. Okay, cool. Talk to the writers. Everything's cool. And then Blake tested uh, negative, so he stayed. So I'm on my way home, and then here I am getting texts from Blake, get a phone call. I'm like, hey, do you have heat, like, for something you have done? I'm like, I don't know why. He goes, ah, somebody's kind of pissed, and a few people said in the meeting that, like, Vince wanted to fire you at that moment. And then I had a few friends that were in the meeting as well. I was like, oh, okay, that's good. So, of course, I send a message to Mark Carano and saying, hey, like, I don't know what's going on or what's being thrown around. If there's anything you need to talk to me about, please Call me, text me, let me know what's up. No answer. Uh, and that's how I found out pretty much that I had COVID that day. I did quarantine for the next week. Kept in contact with writers. Still no answer back from hire of writing team and creative team. Um, yeah, uh, what a time. So it was just one of those moments of loss. And then one of the writers that we kept in touch with said, no, you guys are fine. You guys are brought up in creative as well. Said, okay, cool. And then weeks go by. Weeks go by again. I know Vince McMahon wasn't at TV for a while because his brother passed and yeah. condolences for that. Like, so we kind of knew, like, all right, cool. Obviously, we're not getting an answer because the boss isn't there. Makes sense. So in the meantime, I got in touch with Mark Carano because uh, Otis reached out to me. He's like, hey, brother, you mind like coming around, like rolling around like in the, with the big man class? He's like, well, could you yeah. some help? I'm like, dude, definitely. I was like, it gets me in the ring, keeps me in shape. I get to actually be in a good ring. Uh, that's and at the PC and I know everybody and I can bump around and know I know how Otis works we've worked together for years so that day I'm in there it's coach Adam Pierce well producer Adam Pierce at that time uh, myself Drew Gulak Babatunde and then um, Big Jordan uh, what's I forget what his name is now on TV Omas Omas thank you awesome human being um, and we're all just kind of rolling around and I get done in the ring and I have a text from Mark Carano saying, Hey Steve, he's like, when you give me a, call, a chance, give me a call. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. It's just about maybe something creative. Uh, I text him back. I'm like, Hey, I'm just leaving the PC now. Uh, can you call now? He's like, oh, I'm getting on a flight to Tampa. He's like, I can get back to you here in a little bit. I was like, no problem. A few hours go by, I get home, eating dinner. It's around seven 30. And then I get the call from Carano saying, Hey Steve. I'm like, Oh, Hey Mark, how is everything? Is it good? He's like, I don't make making these calls, but obviously. And I instantly just clicked inside. I'm like, ah, I'm getting fired. Awesome. Damn. Looked at D. I was just like, gosh, what's the matter? I was like, ah, well, I'm getting fired. And uh, lo and behold, almost a year later, it's the same exact time frame, kind of close to when she was let go. Yeah. But it was just one of those things. And uh, the phone call just, I don't know, it was more upsetting just because for me to say that creative had nothing for us was kind of the, no, I got fired because I had heat for COVID. And I know people kind of say like, well, that's your own fault. I'm like, yeah, maybe it is. But at the same time, I took my own precautions. I live in the state of Florida that it's an open state of policies on anything with uh, COVID related. I wear my mask when I'm out. I do what I'm supposed to do. But then when I'm around friends that I know are tested, I try to take care of that myself. And I surround myself with who I know that we're good with. And if it happened like we did, I got tested. Uh, So with the phone call, it was just being told creative had nothing for us. Uh, and I called BS right away on that. I let him have his piece. And uh, I was like, well, if creative has nothing for us, why do we have merchandise? Why are we being told we're going to be in the storyline? I was like, I was told our storyline with the Mysterios was scrapped because when they contracted COVID, that took us off TV and scrapped that story for that little bit. And then they tried to go back to it. And then Murphy got COVID. And it was just like, it just kept building up, building up. And it's just like, listen, everything that you're saying is honest, but um, we just have to say that creatively had nothing for you. Okay. I was like, so if creative had nothing for me, then for the last year since we've been off TV, Blake and I, because of um, the Twitter situation with Riker, how do you have nothing for me when I pitched ideas almost every week? And that was also, hey, everything you're saying, there's nothing wrong with what you're saying, but creative had nothing for me. So 
just to end it on that is like, I know I did everything on my end that I could uh, as a company guy. And also for my love of the company and for just of the business in general that I could on my end. But now, like I said, I get to create, I get to be me. And that's the one thing now I love the most is I really don't have anybody to tell me no, like always. So there's, there's an awful lot to unpack there. Had you had, I assume that you hadn't had any FaceTime with Vince since the COVID test one, because obviously you had COVID for a little while, but two, his, his brother had passed away, as you mentioned, and then you were released. So from that point, did you ever, like, were you at the tapings again? Like, how did Um, that work? We uh, were just told, nope, don't worry about it. You guys are fine. Just uh, stay at home. Like writers have ideas once we're needed. Like, cause they were trying to be strict to the protocols of with COVID, which is understandable of like, why be in the building when you don't need to be, which makes sense. Cause a lot of the times people are just sitting and catering anyway, and then you just leave. So to keep it that way, I think in the safe standpoint. One of the theories that was thrown out to me by talent was, well, Steve Cutler was released because Super Bowl weekend's coming up, and this is the definitive way to say, don't be at a Super Bowl party without a mask. Do you, had you heard that at all? No. I, well, yes and no. I just, I know I was made the example of, and I get it. Uh, I was in the military, being in the Marines. There's always that one person, and it only takes one. I was made the example of, but I know that for a fact, people were out for New Year's. Nobody's stupid. Like, you know, people are going to go out on New Year's, enjoy themselves, me, I did the cautious thing where I'm around friends that I'm always with. Uh, so, but at the same time, like it's a blessing in disguise. I look at it now. I'm like, cool. This is the greatest thing to ever happen to me. And I had a few people write out as soon as I was let go when I was, that was one of the few texts to me of other people that were let go saying like, you have no idea how great this is going to be for you. So I, I had posted a tweet yesterday that you never know what the future is going to hold for a WWE wrestler when they're released. Five of their last nine champions were released at some point. Another guy left for, for eight years. Do you see that bridge is burned or do you think that maybe down the line you could do business with them again? Uh, I could see that the, there's an open door policy from what I'm told. Every, everybody always has that open door policy. Uh, obviously I had that heat with Vince. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's also one of those things where I don't know if he would forget it. Cause it's one of those things where one thing happens one day and somebody else screws up the next day and it's forgotten about type thing. Um, we, but yes, yeah, I, 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 I kept, I, we've hmm? seen gallows come back and Vince didn't remember who he used to be. So if you yeah, get over so, to Steve Macklin, there's a good chance he'd, he'd be like, Oh, it's yeah. Steve Macklin. <laughs> yeah. So it's just one of those things where it's, just, it, that's just wrestling. And like I said, I, I was made the example of, and I, I'm fine with it. And it's still, again, one of the best things. Does it hurt? Yes. Because as a kid, this is all I dreamed of ever doing was wrestling for the WWE. But now in the world of professional wrestling and sports entertainment, like you have so many avenues. There are so many places to work. And that's the best thing for anybody. And even with their last batch of releases, like there is so many places to work and there's opportunity. The world's starting to open up again in the wrestling world. And like, I feel it. And I'm talking with friends like that indie bubble right now of independence. Like people are ready just to enjoy wrestling again in that sense for live crowds. And I can't wait for that because that's my favorite thing of wrestling is the live crowds. Like TV is great and all, but live crowds, you get to interact, you get to have fun stuff happens organically. And that's where I have the most fun. So I kind of want to go almost like in reverse through your career because, because mm-hmm. there's so much to talk, talk about here. And, we had mentioned the indies. Like there, there's Josh Barnett's Bloodsport out there right now, which presents a completely different style. A lot of people had no idea Carrie and Cross could work that style until he popped up there. You've got uh, GCW and Black Label Pro and Warrior Wrestling. A lot of these like very popular indies that get people noticed. And right now, the TV products: NWA, MLW, Impact Wrestling, AEW, Ring of Honor. There's, as you mentioned, a lot of options. And you happen to live with somebody who has navigated that, especially over the last year. Did that? I mean, I mean, considering that you you haven't navigated that for like what seven seven eight years at this point. Yeah, I was with. I started January of 2014 at the Performance Center, so I was with NXT since then. So I know that what WWE style would be mm-hmm. and what they want out of production and how to work TV and all that. But now it's having the fun part too. Though is like a lot of the guys that came in from the Indies like your war Raiders, um, Adam Cole, like ever just watching everybody, you just see Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby fish, Roddy, 
uh, Tommaso, Johnny, like you get all these stars, Kevin, Finn, Hideo, like you can keep going, Bob, even Bobby Root, like Bobby Root from being from TNA back and then coming in and just seeing how he works and turns a crowd when they want to chant for him. And yet he's able to just heal them instantly. Like that, that's a guy I watched a lot just to see how they, like they're working towards this style compared to what they used to do. So how have you navigated this situation? Because it's not just robust indies and robust promotions. It is a different time because of COVID. So have you had conversations or even accepted bookings yet? Uh, how, how are you um, managing that with other companies right now? Yeah, bookings. I'm open for bookings. Obviously, everything past May 5th, once my 90 days is up. Um, a few bookings have come down. Obviously, I can't announce them or sure. uh, all that yet, but uh, till May 5th. But it's it's going pretty good. I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, working some things out in certain places. Uh, I can't say. Um, but yeah, I'm just excited to just uh, get my story out there like we're doing now, but just to even show the world kind of who I am with us not having that microscope over us the whole time. Like, cause we're always ready to light that spark with Blake and I, and then it just never happened. Well, you mentioned us and Blake and I, unfortunately he got released as well. And I know he's, without ever speaking to him, I know he's a big family man and he's going to be looking probably to get right back to work. Are you guys open to teaming? It seemed like it on Twitter. Uh, yeah, we're always. He's my brother. Uh, if, if there's ever a brother in wrestling, he's my brother. Uh, we've been on the road together for, what, six, six and a half, seven years almost together. Just riding in the car all the time. And then even just working together was just the most fun times. Like it was just, it was a night off. Anytime we just had to put matches together to just kind of, do things. It was just fun. Um, but yeah, that option is there. I know he has his story to tell as well, but for us, we're just the two guys that I feel that never had that trigger kind of pulled on, which for some reason, we don't know what it was. We don't know what it was about. And we were about to have that on SmackDown, but that was kind of ended abruptly. So one of the benefits of you guys is you have years of experience, years of experience as a team, years of experience as a team on television, but you don't, have a thing where they where people can say well they're overexposed you, you'll be like almost like a fresh team to a lot of people but you have appeared on smackdown you've appeared on nxt together you have that exposure without being overexposed that's i think the benefit to us where we never like like i said we never got that chance but now it's time for us to prove to everybody who we were and i know deep down that's all we've ever wanted to do was just work our asses off and prove who we were and I think people knew that, not even the fans. I don't think fans really understand it, but like I knew a lot of the boys in the locker room would come back like, what, what's going on with you two? Like, we don't, we don't know. We ask and then we never get an answer. It's just one of those things where it's just a constant, like, ah, it just, it's something, it's something missing or it's a no or, but it's just like, all right, cool. Whatever we have to do to prove to it, we're going to keep trying. And that's the one thing is we've always ever wanted to work. That's all I've ever wanted to do. Even for the time being that we we're off for TV for about a year until we became the Knights of the Lone Wolf. All I ever did was week in and week out pitch ideas. I'm like, hey, we can come back this way. Hey, we can do this. Hey, we can do this. And it's just like the constant no. But I'd rather be told no millions of times till I'm told yes for something because that all I ever want to do is work. So how were you all told yes about Knights of, of the, the Lone Wolf? Like that was when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's that's great. It's something that Corbin needs to freshen him up. A lot of people might not remember you all worked together an awful lot early on in NXT, yeah. like seven years before. So he was no stranger to you. But how was that creative brought up to you? Um, so we went through a creative process in that too. And actually, because Chelsea was just on here and talking about sitting in front of Vince's office, we were there with her. So it was just <laughs> funny to kind of like, yeah, we're there. And uh, we started going to the Amway. We, like after a while, I'm just like, all right, I need to make face value. I'm sick of sending emails. We want to work. That's all we want to do is come back to TV. And then when we did, like first person we saw is Big E. He's just like, oh, how you brothers doing? Like, we're good. He goes, all right. He's like, you guys are doing the right thing. Just get there. He's like, hopefully everything kind of works out. And then even Bailey was there. She's like, you're sitting at the right spot. Just do what you have to do. Like, and it's just funny because everybody in the locker room knows. Like, it's just you're fighting for spots. And it's a TV show. And that's what it is. And once you can find that niche or role that you fit on a television show, that's where it's at. And we just want to do our craft to the best of our ability. And that's what we wanted to do. So that's why we would go at the Amway. And then after a while, we were told, hey, don't sit in front of Vince's office no more. Just go wait in catering. Once he's ready, we can come talk to you. Like, eh, that doesn't <laughs> sound about right, but okay. But uh, we had our we had packets made of diff different character ideas that we wanted to try to go to. And we sat down with Bruce Pitchard, uh, Pritchard. And um, 
we had our conversation and just wanted to get to know more of us, of who we were like individually. And Corey's a guy from Texas. I'm a guy from New Jersey, which most people look at me and they're like, Oh wow, you're from Jersey. I'm like, yeah, from Jersey. But um, yeah, just, just to get to know each other that way. And then maybe two or three weeks after that is when we were told, Hey, we're going to bring you guys back in. Uh, we have this idea with Corbin and Corbin kind of uh, hit us up to like, kind of give us his idea uh, we were going to be kind of henchmen, hitmen almost. Not such henchmen, but like we we're going to be like hitmen s. So we started brainstorming ideas and getting ideas for looks. And uh, two of the looks we showed up to TV once we were there. One was a suit with the hoodies. The other one was polo shirt, tight, nice looking, like the hitman character in the video games. And of course, we go in there. We're still long hair, full beard. And uh, it was oh, it's great because it's Bruce Pritchard, Vince McMahon. And then uh, you just hear Vince go, oh, well, Bruce, what do you like? And he goes, I like that one. And of course, it's not the one I'm wearing, which is the Hitman outfit we liked. And we thought was cool. It was the suit and the hoodie, which we had like the uh, today's generation of like the NBA dressing of yeah. how NBA players were showing up to games. Like, all right, whatever, we'll make it work. And then he goes, oh, the beard's gone. I'm like, all right. So here we are. You. I didn't recognize you at all. Yeah, changed completely. And I love it because I look 10 years younger again. But it's just it's just funny how like you show up, we're fully haired and beard. And Cesaro was the first person to see us laughing. He goes, oh my God. We're like, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I saw you and I was like, I, I didn't recognize you at all because I'd watched you wrestle for years in NXT. And I was like, oh my gosh, he does look 10 years younger. So I mean, It was the cool thing too. Weird. I think it was a cool thing for us because it gave us something new, completely different of where we were going. And I was excited for it. I'm like, okay, cool. Now it got me brainstorming and creating. Sorry, the dogs no, are. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> dogs it, barking in the background. It did reinvent you guys, though. Yeah, and it was fun because now I'm sitting there just writing. I'm getting creative again. My juices are flowing and everything. And then, you know, COVID hit. <laughs> I really think serious? that would have went well with Corbin too, because yeah, I think with the way that they've booked Corbin, I think that something fresh for him would benefit him as well, because I don't think he gets the credit one for being an innovator in the ring. He's always coming up with new ideas, like in the ring and spots and stuff. He's very good. Uh, just, he's very smart and intelligent, how to protect himself, mm-hmm. especially even his finish. Oh yeah. Uh, with end of days, he's very smart and he's very, it, he was always good in NXT that way too. And he was, he was always meant for main roster on that end. But um, he was just fun to bounce ideas off of and just try to go to uh, for things. And we were supposed to go into the storyline with the Mysterios and Murphy. And we were excited for that because now it gave Blake that kind of a little bit of an inkling to go to Murphy. And then it gives us the Mysterios. And then we get to work with Rey Mysterio. Yeah. Like, I got to beat up Rey Mysterio. A little bit. It was fun. I was just like, I got done. I was like, wow, I just threw Rey Mysterio into a guardrail for not even thinking about it at that moment until just now we got done. But it was fun. So to, to move back a little bit, we'll, we'll address the elephant in the room. There were some tweets before that yeah. that Jackson Riker had put out, and it effectively got you guys taken off television. I, people yes. in WWE were denying it to me at first, but it became very evident. Sounds and about right. You guys, <laughs> you guys had been on SmackDown. You were called up around Mania time. And uh, then after that period in which, quite frankly, it looked like he might be released for a while. Like there, I know there were some people in the company that thought that he pops back up with Elias. I believe this was right before you guys got news. So when you see that and you know that this controversy has caused you guys to to be off TV, did you did you know ahead of time that he was going to be popping up there? Did you find out about this before you all were told you'd be back on TV? And how did you feel? So started the tweets. Um, listen, everybody's, everybody has their opinion. Everybody's allowed to have their opinion. That's the point of social media. Obviously there's a two-sided coin to everything on how you feel and how you view things. I'm, you feel how you want to feel, say what you want to say. That's your business, not mine. Um, I'm out walking the dogs with D and I get a bunch of texts. My phone start blowing up like, Hey, what the hell? And I'm just looking and it's just screenshots of the tweet. And I'm just like, Oh, come on. I'm like, I'm doing nothing. I'm, I'm literally at home walking my dogs. Um, and then it just kind of instilled from there on how everything kind of unfolded. And that happened. We reached out to uh, the office and we went to the performance center where SmackDown was taping still at that time. So it was raw. 
So Blake and I went in that next day because Riker was living in North Carolina at this time. He moved out of Florida at that time. So Blake and I went in, we're told, hey, we sat down with Mark Carano. Hey, you guys are good. Don't worry about it. Like everything's gonna be fine. Just give it a week. It'll kind of blow over. We're like, okay. Like, but we've seen this before. It's, we, we know the way the company works. We kind of like, all right, we're just kind of getting the smoke blown up to us. Everybody talked to us. Biggie, Kofi, like we just sat and we talked. We're like, dude, like, they're like, you guys are fine. Like, listen, it's fine. Like, it's just the, the way things are type of thing. But like, yeah, just, it's a, I'm going to cuss. I'm just, it's a shitty okay. situation. Uh, Cause it's just a different time in the world and it's shitty because we don't want to be involved in it because it's not our business. Yeah. Granted, it's our business to care for one another, but it's just like, just keep your, keep your words to yourself at this time. Just stick to wrestling uh, in that aspect. But then again, like I said, you're allowed to have your opinion. So, um, and then I think what was worse than the tweet was what resurfaced afterwards, but that's his business, not ours. And that's kind of where we just like, listen, we distance ourselves. This is how we feel that this is us, especially me in general. I wanted to distance myself as quick as possible, just because like, that's not how I think. And And you you all were immediately lumped in. I mean, they, yes, they, hadn't, they hadn't established you guys on screen as individuals yet. So people are going to yes. think it's, it's, it reflects all three of you. Yeah. And that's the, that's the shitty part of the situation because we were called up uh, like about a month before mania. We got told it was our last match against Grizzly Young Vets and NXT was our last match there. And then that's where Hunter pulled us aside beforehand and said, Hey, we're calling you guys up. We just need you guys to make them look good. Before you guys leave, we're like, no problem. Thank <laughs> you very much. I want to go make some money. <laughs> but it's just one of those things that where it just, uh, it was off to the races. We were booked strong. We were working with New Day, who is just so damn good. So damn entertaining. And uh, it was just so fun. And it just, it, it stinks the way it happened. But there, uh, you can't really reflect on it now. I try to not look back at it so much to where I've like, I've learned from it. And now I know, like, if I'm in a team, you have to, everything you do or say reflects on everyone, just like anything in any business, just like an NFL, the NBA, MLB, like how you act and how you reflect is going to reflect on everybody else. And not, not only were you, you got to look at everything from a business standpoint. Not only were you guys up there and working with New Day, you were winning matches. You were winning all your matches. Yeah, we were going to win. The, well, we we kind of saw the writing on the wall where the story was going. And then once uh, Big E messaged me, just kind of keep in touch. And we kept in touch the whole time. And again, he's one of the first people that reached out to me when I got let go. And he's just, he's an awesome dude. Great I respect guy. him so much. And just for him and even um, Kofi just to be so caring and giving when we first got there because they've been in that spot. Now they know they have to elevate us. And that's something that was a fresh air for Blake and I because we never really had that in NXT. We were always the ones that elevated everybody else, but then we always kind of like, oh, this isn't for you type thing. So it was the first time we got the taste of that. And I was like, God, this is wrestling. This is so cool. Uh, This is how business is done and we all can make money together. And we were slated. We saw how after Cesaro and Shinsuke won the tag titles, uh, we were like, oh, wow, that's going to be us. So, but now you look at it, you learn from it and you're moving on. And when, when a situation like this unfolds, obviously I got to ask around backstage, like who's doing what, how do people feel? And I immediately had people say, oh, Cutler and Blake were here uh, the next day, trying to make good on it, trying to, to, for, make sure in everybody's minds, hey, this is this doesn't reflect us. Like you all, you all were making what people called the right steps to to take care of that. And I can tell you that a lot of talent I spoke to were quite frankly very upset that you two were lumped into it because of the time and tenure you all put in at the performance center. That was constantly reiterated to me. Like you guys had been there since almost the start, if not the very start of the performance center, and got called up. What kind of emotions are going through your mind when you think of stuff like that? That's why I'm glad we're talking now. Cause if I was to talk <laughs> to you when I got released, I would have been a lot angrier and more, uh, more lashing out. But now I just, like I said, I look at it from a learning standpoint. God, the time put in the PC with Blake with seven years myself, I was at six and a half years and I loved like, there was a lot of ups and a lot of downs, a lot of no's and very minimal yeses. Um, but I learned a lot and I learned the craft and I can't thank my time in there for learning the way I did from Norman Smiley 
Robbie Brookside, Adam Pierce as a coach there at that time, Nick Dinsmore when he was a coach there, uh, Scotty Tuhati just on the character-esque of things and how to do things and make moments. Um, Sean, my, my time with Sean. And then Terry Taylor, just he's one of the guys I don't think that gets enough credit. And I don't think a lot of people realize it. Like he's just a bright mind for that place. And Terry and I talk daily. We just send texts to each other of bad wrestling and it's the best. But um, you just, you build relationships and bonds with people there and it's great. Especially a lot of the talent that is there that nobody sees. And that's the one thing like with Blake and I, we were the talent that everybody got to see in the coconut shows. We call it in Florida. And then sometimes on the road loops, we go out there and kill it with whoever we were with. And it was a lot of fun. And that's where we got the time to shine and show who we were. Because there were, there were rules, but there weren't rules on yeah. the road loops with NXT. We tried to treat those road loops like they were a takeover loop where every night was a takeover almost. And you want to go out there and have the best match possible because then it gets people to buzz about it because that's where NXT thrived. So as, as the time went on and you were not brought back to TV for weeks and weeks and weeks, are you hitting up WWE again? Are you showing yeah. up at all? Like how, how is that working? So we kept in contact with Bruce Pritchard uh, and creative of SmackDown. And like I said, week after week, I was sending emails of creative of like, okay, here's a, I gave literally a month's worth of programming for us to just come back to where Blake and I just, all right, let's jump Riker. We get the bait, like we get the reaction off of that. Or are you, Hey, if you want to write Riker off, have him go off of an injury, like, and we can bring him back eventually type thing. There's that's the best part of wrestling is there's so much to create. It's a TV show. And it's just no answers. And like, oh, no, guys, keep pitching, keep pitching. And then after it's October, when they were at Amway, at that time frame, that's where we kind of were just fed up. And Blake and I just kind of started showing up each week and full suit and tie and wanting to pitch ideas, get a talk with Vince and constantly talk to creative. And then, like I said earlier, that's where we talked to Bruce and had our conversations of getting to know each other. And I don't, we don't know if that's what kind of led to us. Uh, getting back on TV just because we started showing face, but I believe it does. I think showing face is the number one thing. And we wanted to work that like, again, all, all I've ever wanted to do is just work for the company. Uh, I, wrestling is what I love. And even when we weren't booked on NXT coconuts, or if you had to travel and not work and you're sitting there setting up the ring, all I ever want to do is work. Yeah. Like, this is great. And all I've set up a ring for years. I'm, I just want to work. It's the only way to get better. So I had heard that during last summer, Daniel Bryan and Edge were both out and they were helping with creative. They would like receive some pitches and stuff. Did you work with any of them? Did you make pitches directly to any of them? How did that work? Uh, I, I threw some of my ideas towards Edge and he was great uh, about it. And I loved it for it because uh, he's such a bright mind in the business and he's a uh, Hall of Famer. Um, love what he's doing now. I think he's doing some of the best promo work because it's just realism. Um to its fullest of how he's speaking. And then you can just, you can see it through his eyes even too, while he talks. And I love the match at mania uh, between him, Brian and Roman uh, just was great. Just good storytelling. And the three of them are just so damn good. And that's who you like want to emulate. And that's why I asked, reached out to him because we originally started talking off because we used the company Warnstar for our gear. And that's who we kind of reached out to Riker about for it. So I'm just like, Hey, Edge, hey, what do you think of this type of idea? And he's like, hey, just he kind of just gave me notes back towards like how to pitch certain things. And it was I was so appreciative for it too. Cause he's been there, he's done it, and he's he's kind of gone through the system from the young age to where he is now. So we had mentioned the, the SmackDown call-up as well. Something that I noticed when you guys wrestled, y'all had four matches, it was always you and Blake. Was that a coincidence? Like, what was going on? Because there can be a lot of reasons for that. Injuries, a lot of stuff. But it was always you and Blake wrestling on SmackDown. Yeah, that's kind of how it always kind of was. Nothing against Riker. That's just, for some reason, in NXT2, Hunter just saw it as, as the trio. Uh, Riker was the singles guy, and Blake couldn't. I as the tag and it's a lot easier to book a tag than it is the singles most sometimes. Um, Cause it's very interchangeable. And we originally pitched ideas of us as the forgotten sons as like a free bird rule where we're hoping that's what was going to happen. Cause we started doing that on coconuts uh, and some of the live events that we did there. And it was a lot of fun. Like well, even when we did six mans, a lot of the six mans we did were with era, which I wish we got to have that program. Yeah. Cause they were so much fun to work with. And it was a night off and it was just very easy to bounce ideas off of and, it was a lot of fun, but um, yeah, just, it was just always Blake and I, which we didn't mind because that's what gelled. We kind of knew what we needed to do and we were very easy to just read off of each other without having to really speak in a ring and calling things. 
So you had mentioned uh, you, you watched WrestleMania. So, I mean, it seems like like you aren't like completely disgusted by the situation or something. You still got that love for wrestling and watching yeah. some WWE content. Yeah, I, I believe you're, I think you, not to say if you're ignorant, but I just, you have to watch all the products across the board. If you want to know what's going on, what's hot, what's getting over, what people are reacting to. And it's the first time a crowd is in front of wrestling right now. Yeah. I know AEW does it with the limited crowd but you're having over 25 to 30,000 fans at Tampa and it is WrestleMania. Like, why would I not watch? Fair point. And there's a lot of like, my friends are on it. So it's just one of those things where I want to watch my friends. I want to watch six succeed like Rhea Ripley holding the title at the end. Like so happy for, her. uh, cause I know D really wanted to watch that match too. And, uh, of course we just moved into our new house. So like I'm sitting here putting things together and trying to like peek in and see what's going on. But we, we made it a point to watch that match too. So what what you're about to experience is something that you haven't experienced in in years. And I mean, back then, as you mentioned, you were very young in wrestling when you're working at the Monster Factory and all that. Is there is there anything that like you've deferred to friends for help with, or even even Diana, who's who's been through this a couple times? Yeah, she's kind of gauged me kind of how to to speak a lot better and go uh, like she likes to say it. My five C's. Um, of just being confident in everything I say, because I'll tend to just speak my mind and it doesn't really come off uh, in a business savvy-esque uh, way. Uh, <laughs> I'm just very blunt and honest. That's just who I am. Uh, that's the Marine in me, I guess. Um, but yeah, she's helped me navigate and she's been the best thing throughout this whole process because she went through a different scenario when she was let go because she kind of just wanted to go spread her wings because she's already done it and she wasn't allowed to do it there. So she was a lot different on the standpoint of the spectrum of where I was at because I was kind of just let down and angry because the best thing I explained to her was like, it felt like somebody died uh, when I got that, when I got the call, just cause I'm like, well, why? Like, okay, cool. But then once it kind of just settled in now getting to put out videos and do my own creative process and build my character right now is the most fun I've had in wrestling. And the most time I've just smiled in a long time too cheesy as of uh, I lost my smile as could be <laughs> but like no it's just one of those things where I'm in something new and it's fresh and it's that's that's the fun part once you touch something fresh in wrestling of just getting your hands on creatively like I said earlier even us as the Knights of the Lone Wolf like that we just were excited for new just something new and uh when I spoke to her following her WWE release we joked that she was 0-20 in WWE a year later she's one of the greatest impact knockouts champions of all time Seeing seeing that and watching someone that you care about so much experience that has got to create some optimism for yourself. Yeah, uh, when I watch her, I don't even think of me. I just I'm so proud of her. She's she's a she's just a tough bitch, <laughs> and just blatantly. But like she really is. She's just so beautiful. She's so tough. She's got it all. Uh, she's uh, we roll around in the ring and I'm just like, God, I wish I could work like this all the time with somebody like, you know, I just, one of those things where it just comes natural to her. And I'm just so proud of her for where she's come from and like how she's just taken what happened in NXT and just how it didn't work out. Like, it's fine. Like again, open door policy for down the road. Like you don't know anything. What's going to never say never in the business of WWE is always been said. And it's one of those things where she just, she's doing her thing and I'm proud of her for it. And I want her to succeed and, excel because back there you can see where she's excelling (laughs) yeah but um yeah i'm just proud of her she busts her ass and i'm proud of her for it and i mean it is a a bummer that wesley blake who i'm sure a lot of people will get to know is Corey weston or whatever name that he he selects moving forward it's a bummer that he was released but when you see that does does it say there's another opportunity not just for me but for us yeah there, oh God. we even joked the other day texting. I'm just like, let's go take over the fucking world. <laughs> like, that's the fun part. Sorry that I'm being uh, I, vulgar there, but yeah. My, just, my dude, uh, we sell blue chew and manscaped on this channel. It yeah. doesn't matter. I got my manscape upstairs. I'll plug them for you. There you go. <laughs> but no, it's just, uh, we just, there's so much, there's so many ideas we had that we pitched and like we had a year long of pitches one of the pitches we had was to be a more a modern day APA. Like, we, oh God, I wish uh, you wish, but like at the same time, it doesn't work. So round down range, you find something else. But I mean, again, look at, look at Chelsea and Mickey and what they tried to cut on social media. And now they can, if they want. Uh, 
they any anything is possible in wrestling you yeah. can do anything you want to do because it's just it's a it's entertainment yeah it really is it's pro wrestling but it's entertainment as well like that's the fun part like i said i love live crowds you can do anything in wrestling so so let's go back to the start now we're going to kind of tarantino this a bit do you want to okay. bury danny cage for like 20 i'm i'm cool <laughs> with that i told him i was interviewing interviewing you and he said ask him where my watch is He'll oh it's know. upstairs in my closet just ah! standing in the box he can wait to get it back when he books me <laughs> i love it i love it but the monster factory how instrumental was that for you very instrumental uh so to start of my wrestling career uh when i got out of the marine corps i started going to college at rowan university in south jersey and my parents are in sicklerville in south jersey so i was trying to find schools and a few of my friends were up in north jersey uh, that got me interested uh, in the wrestling because um, Bright Lights, Jarrett Foster, I don't know if he doesn't work anymore, but it was D2W up there. We actually were De- small world. Deanna used to go there and train. That's where she started. So go figure. It's crazy how it all works out later on down the road. But now that we're at the beginning, sorry to ramble. Uh, that's okay. But um, yeah, just um, I originally started trying to go up to school in North Jersey. Just the travel wasn't going to work. So I tried to find a school in South Jersey and that was the Monster Factory. And then Danny just so happened to start it back up uh, and, tr- and taking it in from control of Larry, even though Larry was there at that time. Still, he would show up here and there. Uh, and it was great to have Larry there because he just had that old school mindset. But uh, Danny, I was the first person at that tryout and I had no idea what I was getting into. Because I'm just like in a room, I show up early, I'm in gym shorts, I have my knee pads and my shooters in a bag next to me. Um, we're in a Marine Corps t-shirt. I'm just fresh to the world, just going to school. And I'm just like, wow, I'm 25. I have no idea what I'm doing. And it just starts walking these cartoon characters for a tryout at the Monster Factory to just get into the school. Yes. So I'm just like, what am I doing? (laughs) I'm just sitting there waiting, like calmly. I'm talking to people, saying hello, just greeting everybody and whatnot. But then uh, they said, who wants to go first? I was like, I will. I want to get out of this room as quick as possible. So we go in, we get in the ring. And, uh, Hey, uh, like you look like you're built. Like, of course there's this panel of people. I have no idea who any of them were except for Larry and Danny, because I saw them on the school. And then I started researching Larry, uh, and getting to know, like, cause I'm like, all right, I don't know who he's about. I should know what he's about if they ask me who he is. So I started looking up Larry Sharp and then, uh, surprisingly QT Marshall is there. Luis, uh, Martinez, uh, Damian Priest. So Damian Priest is there and I'm just sitting there. It's funny to just see where everybody's at now but just for that time being they're just like oh you don't know who i am i'm like i am so sorry no i've watched wwe ecw and wcw that's it (sighs) like i was born in the northeast so that's all i watched but um yeah and then run the ropes take a few bumps i said all right cool are you really invested in this i'm like sure all right look at that camera up there and it was like this little tiny of a dot said who was your favorite wrestler growing up i was like oh bret hart and then like all right cut a promo on bret hart i'm like okay probably I, danny definitely has that somewhere i don't know where oh I, I wouldn't gosh want to watch it. but uh yeah it was just me talking about wrestling bret hart at the garden which would be a, a dream match yeah of, oh, who would want that but uh yeah so danny cage that's my start at the factory but danny cage is his whole other entity of the monster factory because he he's uh like i told you before we were talking before we started like Danny doesn't get the credit because of what he did. In the, he didn't really get that name in the business. So yeah. he runs that school and he runs it like a tight ship. He runs it like a boot camp, and he's teaching the drills that need to be taught. But at the same time, that's just Danny and Danny's going to do what Danny does. And I don't fault anybody for being who they are. And uh, I can't thank him enough for where he's gotten me and helped me get to me, help me get to where I am now. I've been lucky enough, uh, even though I haven't ever got the fortune of training there, I've learned an awful lot from Danny Cage, like through conversations with him and all that stuff and always appreciate it. But you had the opportunity to learn from an awful lot of people at the PC. I mean, you, you were through a lot of different regimes. Like I think from the DeMott era, right Mm -hmm. into the Matt Bloom era, I was actually in Columbus the weekend that they had the big DeMott Bloom switch. What a weekend. Oh, you're telling me I had, what I, I remember that weekend I, I was there doing like freelance work and I snapped a little picture of Canyon Seaman and he's like, Hey, come here. What are you taking that picture for? And I was like, you know why I'm taking that picture Canyon. And we had a good conversation, but he was out there 
legitimately getting eyes on Bloom for the first time running things at an open tri- at a tryout that I think like Carrie and Cross and Bianca Belair were at. Like this was new for them. What was that like learning from those different people and that transition between them? So that's the funny thing is like I never had a problem with Demot. Demot, I called his I called a lot of BS on him when I first got there because like he used to do like a quarterly or like a monthly thing like oh, hey how's it going like and Bill was a Jersey guy so he always kind of I guess clung to me because I was from New Jersey originally yeah uh, so like Bill was always good to me I never had a problem with him I know people did uh, but I never saw that side so I go off of my perspective of people and that's how I usually treat people uh, if I'm treated well I treat you well. Um, but yeah, uh, Demont had his way. He wanted to weed people out and that was his way. And I called him out on it originally. I was like, listen, I was in the Marine Corps. I know how this place works. It's like high school. Um, I see how it's just, you just, you pick up on it quick if you can get the social way of things work. And that's how that PC ran at that time. And then when Bloom took over, it just kind of changed and there was a honeymoon period, but then it got back to kind of business again to where not Demont, but it was Bloom's era and that's just how Bloom ran his ship. And that's his right. He's the head coach of that place. And so is Sarah Amato. Uh, so both of them running it, they ran it their way and that you can't fault them for because it it's their building. They would also bring in a lot of guest coaches here and there. And I always love hearing people talk about their favorite guest coaches because you would hear everybody from like big names to guys like Chris Michaels, who doesn't have a ton of television exposure, but has been on every indie ever in history and has wrestled the last 30 years. Did you have any like favorites that, that came through and you're like, man, I was really excited to learn about this from them? Um, the number one person to me was Jerry Lynn. I love Jerry Lynn and ECW growing up. Um, I just, I was always attracted to him watching on ECW just because him and Rob Van Dam always had the best matches to me. When I was at that age, I was like, oh, this is so cool. Um, which is, I don't know, I gravitated to that. So when he was there, it was kind of cool because he looked so different from how I remember <laughs> watching. Like he had the short hair. And, like, yeah, he's just so cool. But then it was, it was great to have him in the PC. But like when guest coaches would come to the live events and they'd have a match. Like that to me was always the fun part of like, okay, cool. I want to see how, like, what's your mind on this produce? Like when they're producing, they're very, not very hands-on, they're very open, but they're also trying to learn us as we're trying to learn them. And that's the best part of, I think, wrestling is having that creative ability to bounce ideas off of each other of what works and what doesn't, and then try their idea. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. If it does work, then you use it. You can use it somewhere down the line. And that's the fun part in wrestling. And that's what I think the best part of having coaches like that come in everywhere is awesome. And that, that's the one benefit of that building, I think. As much as I had a lot of negativity toward that building towards the end because yeah. we were there so long, but that just going to come t- with time. It's a sprint, not a marathon. Or it's a marathon, not a sprint, I should say. Um, but yeah, just Jerry Lynn was that one guy that I just, I was cool because I was like, I loved him as a kid. He and Rob Van Dam, that's what drew me to ECW. I was like, all right, I'm going to stay home on Fridays now because I can watch these two guys on TNN. And as a teenager, that's not like something, that's, that's a big sacrifice being like, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang out at home on Friday and watch these two guys. Yeah. What drew me to Rob Van Dam was I thought he was Jean-Claude Van Damme's brother. <laughs> and I love Jean-Claude Van Damme. Like Street Fighter was big when I was a kid, the movie. So like, I'm just like, wait, that's like Jean-Claude Van Damme's brother? I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> It's not. Yeah, I'm just like, you're still doing athletic stuff. You're just like, oh, this is great. And ECW at that time changed the way everybody kind of watched wrestling too. So, yeah. I've also heard of these fabled performance center events that are like very in-house. Did you have any favorite matches that that nobody will maybe ever see that you were a part of and that you saw there? Uh, I was a part of many PC matches. Uh, Surprisingly... um, no, there was a lot of fun ones just because like there's a moment of uh, it was Cannonball Briggs uh, versus Baron Corbin. And I don't know how it happened, but this is a great story. And I'm sure a lot of people at the PC would tell you at that time. Um, Corbin does his entrance, no music at that time because he was doing it on live events. And I think he did it at TV a few times. I'm not too sure in dark matches, but he comes out. Nobody made it like just not a sound like you could have heard a pin drop. And he gets in the ring, stands there, every does his full entrance. And it's so funny because everybody just somehow just came together that day to not say a word. Yeah. Everybody's kind of doing the look around like, oh, we're really doing this. 
and it just happened organically. And then as soon as Cannonball Briggs comes out, everybody loses it like Hogan in the late 80s at Mania. It, it was so great. And oh, just it was one of those moments in a PC where like you remember that just because it's just a fun moment. Uh, but I had a lot of fun matches myself um, where I almost even died. Oh, no, please. <laughs> yeah, tell I got us. dropped on my head a few times. It was great. <laughs> uh, it happens. But then it's just, you know, just keep moving. You learn that way. Um, I'm sure Blake can tell you those stories at some point if you ever talk to him. Down yeah, there. I'd love to. But uh, I'll save those for later. But um, the PC is just a learning experience because I thought that was harder than live events when I was starting out there. Just because you're in front of your peers and you just you you feel that that tension. I don't know, like I don't know, just like that unwanted tension because like they're like, oh, this new guy, yes. what is he doing? Like, what's he gonna do that's different, or what's he gonna steal, or what am I gonna steal? <laughs> But like, it's funny to feel the difference between that and then being an extra on like Raw and SmackDown and doing a match. Because there, I just felt like, all right, cool. When there's open arena, let's go. It was, it was fun. Here at the PC, it was just different because you have all eyes on you, all the coaches. You know you're being judged. And especially at that time when I first got there, you felt like you're going to get fired every day. That's just how it was. Even in Dreams class for promos, like you'd be cutting a promo. And if you didn't cut a good promo, you felt like you're going to get fired for it. And I felt like I needed to prove myself. Like I love speaking and especially cutting promos. And that was always one of my favorite things to do was go in there and just kill it on a promo. And all right, cool. This is where the money's made in wrestling, at least these days to me. Like if you don't connect with a crowd through the mic, it, you don't connect with them at all. So it's just one of those things where you just, you wanted to give your full effort no matter what you did, uh, especially when Dream was there. You mentioned Dream. How was he to work with? And and like you said, it, it motivated you to step up your game, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Dusty... Dusty was the best. Um, I loved it because he was just an honest person. He would start every promo class where you just sit there and go, all right, what's the dirt? And he just wants to know what's going on, like who's with who type thing, what's what's it's craziness. Funny. And he already knows some of the dirt, so he's just trying yeah. to – he's just like, come on, what's the dirt? And it was always just fun to see the creative process. But he brought everything out of everybody and sides of people you didn't get to see like i'm sure a lot of the leak videos that come from youtube and stuff from like stuff at the pc like it's great to see but like there is so much untapped potential out of so many stars that are even on raw and smackdown now that they could have had then like it just it's insane so and like one of the people there you saw was well, at least for me that i remember was uh when becky lynch did a um sister abigail promo i don't know if you ever heard that story if she cut a I sister haven't. abigail promo and I remember this just because like, holy shit, this is cool. Like, this is something different from Becky at that time. And this is when she was in NXT. So it was just something different. And it was kind of cool to watch. So how'd that work out? Like, like, do you remember any finite details about it? I mean, no, just, just everybody would just literally dreams. Point of dreams classes was to go in, throw something at the wall. And if you see if it sticks, if it doesn't, you move on. That's fantastic. That that's gotta emerge sometime. That'll that'll send the internet Maybe. ablaze. And unless I've missed it at some point, man, that that'd be a really good one. Yeah. I was I was looking back. Were your first like three NXT matches like on NXT TV? Mm-hmm. My first match ever. I wrestled. So originally, the protocol when you get to NXT when I started was you weren't allowed to touch the ring for a month. Wow. So I started that in January. Wasn't allowed to work live events, and then I actually worked uh, with uh, Juice Robinson. Uh, CJ Parker uh, that July was my first match and I was I was ecstatic I'm literally in the middle of a tryout and Demont goes what are you doing here I was like I'm working the tryout you told me to be here he goes no you're at tv today I'm like oh okay cool go there and like hey you're doing this 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 like, okay no problem whatever you need just learn as we go because at that time like the first year you're told like hey this is how it works you're not going to touch the ring if you have a match it's just to put somebody else over which pretty much came the gist for me for a while there for two, three years. Um, but yeah, it was a good learning experience that way as well, just because you see how the place operates and how everybody does um, what they do. Uh, I, I loved watching because at that time, NXT, the coconut loops were the same matches every night for th- two to three nights, depending on the weekend, how it went. So I'd watch Neville and Bo Dallas wrestle three nights on a weekend and i'm just like calling the spot knowing what they're doing but they change like see what they change and where they change things and it's just funner to see where everybody kind of ended up and those two even like bo dallas very underrated 
uh, not talked about enough. And then Neville, I think, is one of the best I've ever had the chance to training in the ring with and then even to be in the ring with, too. And when you see Juice Parker and what, or Juice Robinson, Juice Parker, my God, Juice Robinson, what he's accomplished outside of WWE, I mean, he's one that also like a very untapped resource within yes. WWE and saw saw that on his own. And, and we see what he's doing now and impact in New Japan. Yeah, he's killing it. I'm, I'm happy for him too. That's the best thing. Like I said, like me getting fired gave that kind of that spark in me. I'm like, oh, there is a world out there and I can do like something else. And I'm like, it's letting me get my creative juices going. And you really don't need the company to, to excel anymore. Now there was one specific spot. I remember I, it was on NXT TV and it was out of the blue. I feel like in like 2016, you and Montez had a match. If I remember, and you picked up the win. What was the, the thought process behind that? And just, I I don't remember much of a follow-up to it. Yeah. The, the follow-up to it was me going against Shinsuke for a title match and then losing. Oh, uh, that was, okay. It was like, hey, let's give you a win so that it looks like somebody has some credibility to then go against Shinsuke and then lose because then it just built to Shinsuke and Joe. Uh, there could be a lot worse situations than that when you're at the PC. Yeah, but again, like, like I said, like everything's a learning experience there. After you look at it from a wide range, like when you step back and look at it, like you look at how booking went. And that's how I learned from things. Okay, that's why they did this. It didn't make sense to me at that time, but now it makes sense to me. Yeah. But it was, it was great because I love where Tez is at now, and I'm so happy for him. And we got to him. Me, Blake and I with Dawkins and him were inseparable for months uh, in NXT, and then they got on their ride, and that's just a team that I'm so happy for, for two people that are just so good, uh, just good human beings in general. Um, but, yeah, it's just crazy to see, like, for where they where they're where they've come from and how it started. I also know you got to work at TakeOver. What was that environment like? Because TakeOvers are very, very special to be at, to watch, and it seems like a special environment to wrestle at. Uh, we did a bunch of pre-shows, I know that, uh, but the one TakeOver we did have was TakeOver 25, the ladder match, and that's one of the matches I'm very proud of uh, just for how everything kind of changed last minute because the night before we all sat at a table at the hotel, got the match written down, and then as soon as we got to the building the next day, gone and then throughout the rest of the day we just kept changing and changing even up till bell time we kept changing things because just for timing issues and just trying to make moments out of certain things not sure if it's going to be a moment like i get that part but we all just wanted to go out and kill it and i we still did i still think we had the best match at that takeover um that's one of the better ladder matches to me in a long time that just told that story from beginning to end uh and it was just a lot of fun because i grew up loving ladder matches and that's I so badly wanted to hang on the ring and fall, but that didn't happen. <laughs> it was pitched, but got shut down. But uh, the one thing I'm proud of of that is just the moment of Blake and I, when we're on the ladder and we're about to climb and it looks like we're about to win. And that crowd is just booing yeah. the shit out of us. And I'm just, there's a smile on me that you can't see. Cause I know what's coming next on my end. Yeah. And then what's going to happen at the end. But that's just one of those moments in wrestling where you just listen as a, like you're, you're, even though you're in the match, you're still a fan of like, Oh shit, we got him type thing. Cause when Tez does the springboard and gets it, Blake does that oversell on the punch. It takes the bump grabs. Oh, it was just a cool feeling to just like, Oh, thank God it's over type thing. But at the same time, we're just in it. And my parents were there. It was the first time they got to see me in a big arena being in front row. And it was just a cool moment for me to just, of course, my mom didn't know it was a ladder match until bell time. Oh no. That was even the bigger thing. I was like, yeah, we're having a, just a tag match, ma. That's one of my favorite takeovers ever. That was such a good show. Top to bottom. That was just a great venue. The whole venue itself. Like it was just had that vibe of an NXT crowd just because it wasn't a huge arena, but it was just enough to where it was an NXT crowd. And it was a lot of fun. Something I try to ask or try to remember to ask everybody who's been in NXT, did you ever work a Halloween costume battle royal? And if so, I did. I worked multiple of them. Ooh, please give me yeah. like what were your costumes? I got to work two. The one year we came out still as Forgotten Sons because we were heels. Okay. Uh, so we didn't want to work costumes. We came out and just beat the crap out of everybody. And then I uh, had a bag of uh, candy thumbtacks. If you want to, just dumped out candy in the middle. We took a bump on that. It was fun. To Love do. it. You get creative. But then the other one, I came out as 11 from uh, Stranger Things. Oh, great. Yeah, that was uh, what, last year or two years ago. 
right before we got called up. That's fantastic. And yeah, those are fun though. That like the house shows are the most fun. And I'm, I wish a lot of fans from around the country that are fans of NXT got to go to more of those coconut shows. Cause those fans in, in Florida, the fans here in Florida, I should say, just get treated to so many good things without ever getting the light of day on TV. It's just crazy. And finally, I want to know how did the creative come together for you guys to finally be put together as the forgotten sons? I mean, a lot of, of this was the fact that you guys had been around so long and hadn't got that opportunity that others had. How did you feel about that being implemented into the creative? Did that, did that root in your personal feelings at the time? So the Forgotten Sons came about with Blake and I pitching um, character ideas. And it was just after he was doing a beautiful Blake gimmick and I was still doing America's Greatest Son. And it kind of both kind of wove into each other because I was told, hey, we love what you're doing, but we just were kind of missing something. We don't know what it is yet. And it was right after the NXT Australia tour, Japan uh, and uh, Cali tour. It was a big tour they did at the end of the year. And then January came around and Blake was told, hey, we don't need you to be doing Beautiful Blake anymore because we have somebody else doing something similar. And then ended up being Velveteen Dream. Uh, so Blake said, just texted me as soon as he got back and he goes, hey, you want to really be a tag? I'm like, yes, like, let's do it. It's At that time, we just saw the opening because there's no tag teams really. Revival was just getting called up. It was now FTR. And like it had a lot of openings. Uh, so we just kind of got in there. We pitched our ideas for who we wa- were and we were just pretty much the forgotten sons. Like you forgot about us. We weren't supposed to be pro America type thing. And that just kind of organically happened from the creative side from the company. Uh, Cause you know, it's marketable. Sure. So you look at it in that standpoint. And then uh, one time we did a road loop and uh, Steve Carino Another person, and I can't think enough, that uh, has helped me through my career, and he's a mentor to me. But he goes, hey, uh, we're going to put Riker with you guys in a six-man. You guys cool with that? Like, sure, if like it saves up some time on a car and has us a little fun. Yeah, and then we did it, and they're like, hey, you guys look really good together. <laughs> they were like, okay, like if that works for you, then let's do it. And then uh, I want to say, I'm not too sure on the year, I want to say 17 or 18, Blake had a match with Drew McIntyre at Chicago takeover. It was on a pre-show and I was supposed to wrestle Alistair Black and that match got scrapped on my end, but Blake still wrestled McIntyre, but we were told originally it was going to be a promo backstage. This is how we're going to introduce you guys. We're okay, cool. And that's coming from Hunter. And then it didn't happen, but it's okay. Things happen like that all the time. And then maybe the following February, Blake and I debuted in Atlanta tapings at uh, center stage match got scrapped beat the crap out of the two guys we announced ourselves in a promo as the first entrance to the dusty that year and they hey um we booked you guys to go in the dusty we want to do it but you're a new tag team we don't want you to lose first round so we're just not going to air this at all we're like oh okay months go by again that's when they add in Riker, and then we debut against the uh, street profits at uh nxt tv not too long after that so everything was about a three-year build <laughs> pretty much as Blake and I as a tag to make a uh, long story short, but it was just one of those things where it's like they had something and it's just, they never wanted to pull the trigger on it. You can't do anything about it. That's just how they see it at our show. It did seem immediately like you guys fit in really well on SmackDown as compared to your NXT run. Like when I saw you guys, it was a lot like Elias where like when he popped up with the main roster, it's like, I get it. I get it. I see it. I see that now. And I see, I see the, the broader appeal in it. And I think that you all were really good fits up there. Yeah. I thought we brought that grittiness and that kind of difference. We weren't flashy and that's the one thing Blake and I took pride in. And I know I take pride in no matter where we went or what we did, we were always booed. Yeah. And I love it because that's, I think something that's lost nowadays. Everybody wants to do something cool or it's good to pull things out like that and do something that makes a crowd like pop for it. But at the same time, I think sticking to who you are and what you are and doing things at the right time is what makes you the better character, the better storyteller as a superstar or just as a wrestler in general. And if people have followed you on Twitter at Steve Macklin, they've seen a couple of videos that you've dropped. Yes. Very interested in these because we're seeing a little bit something different out of you that we haven't really seen before. Yes. And that's the fun thing. I love, again, like I said, the telephone game of the wrestling world where everybody has their oh, it's this, oh, it's this, oh, he's trying to be like this. And I just like to sit back. I like to watch and let wrestling fans be wrestling fans because that's the point of wrestling. Think what you want, and then what actually happens, you're either going to like it or you're not. 
and they're really well put together. Like the, the cinematography yeah, I associated with them. I like, I'm loving these things. I'm going to do something and do it right. So that's how I kind of look at anything. And that's the fun part about being creative now is I get to do it. And I have a great team that uh, I met some friends along the way that helped me out. So. So I'm excited to see where this goes. Anything else you want to let the people know before we wrap up, obviously follow him at Steve Macklin on Twitter, get used to the name on Instagram, Steve Macklin as well. There you go. Um, and then also pro wrestling tea is going to be happening soon. Uh, waiting on those shirts to drop now, uh, creatively. So just, uh, stand by. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to the future. I'm looking forward to working, uh, especially being back in front of live crowds. I miss live crowds. You guys are the energy and the reason why we do what we do, uh, as baby faces, that sounds, but it really is. <laughs> we feed off of you and, uh, we actually feed off of you as well. So <laughs> It's just one of those things I'm excited for. And I'm just excited to just, I have no strings attached right now of just telling me what I can do and what I cannot do. Well, Steve, I appreciate you being so generous with your time and, and oh, one for you. trusting us to get your story out there. And, and we're excited to see you back in the ring. And again, without those strings attached, I mean, for, for plenty of people, the WWE way works and maybe it will for you one day, but we're excited to see yeah. what happens next. Steve, thank you so much. Thank you. Everything happens for a reason. So we're going to find out what's going to happen with the future holds. Until next time, guys, we're out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.